0: This is Agents Influence Podcast.
1: The question I get most often isn't, what is NEON? But rather, are you guys building an AMS? It's a valid question. But the problem is, we are currently in our industry stuck in this mindset that insurance technology is agency management systems and that agency management systems are the pinnacle of technological success in insurance. We are trying to start to shift that mindset and say, look, there's actually a different way of thinking about the technology that you need.
0: I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 this is Jason Cass back with another episode of Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. That's me. And today we've got something special going on. Sid, why don't you tell him?
1: What's up, guys? I've never done a podcast like this before, actually. I'm pretty pumped for it. It's a, it's a podcast within a podcast, it, it's, it's kind of like inception level uh, conversation
0: inception level conversation wow sydney you already brought something out i've never even heard this is going to be exciting (laughs) this is going to be exciting sydney how are you
1: i'm doing good dude i'm drinking my cold brew it's friday morning i'm rocking and rolling so yeah how about you
0: so all you loyal listeners, I know right now you're excited. You're like, Cass has got Sid Rowe on. That's right, we do. I didn't say Skid Row. This is in an 80 hair band. I said <laughs> Sid Rowe. Alice was known as Sidney Rowe. And uh, I, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. And I said, uh, kind of like we did with Peter Tessier, loyal listeners, I said, hey, let's get, uh, let's get, I called Sid up. I said, let's do this like dual thing that whatever the phrase is you just used, which I like that phrase. I've never heard it before, Sidney. You're welcome. Sydney. Sidney. You've never been on any of my podcasts, have you?
1: No, Ma- I don't know. Wow, how it's take- I know. Holy I
0: know. Sh- shish kebab! I just I know. know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's cool. <laughs> I was just thinking that I'm like, man, yes, you know, you haven't, you would know. So, anyways, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll start it. Then just a the normal routine. Everybody loves to hear it. Tell us, said You an iPhone? You a Droid user?
1: Uh, I am an iPhone user, but I'm really questioning my life decisions because I went PC and now my whole world is disconnected. So wow. I, I know, I know, I don't know what to do. It's like, I can't get my photos and my videos onto of my computer. It's, oh, it's, it's a headache.
0: It's like you're in a little tiny... Grand Canyon of separation and you have one foot on each side and and, and the gap is widening. You're going to have to make a decision, Sid. You're going to have to go back or you're just going to have to come over here to the light with us. I know every
1: day, <laughs> every day. My problem is, do I go Google pixel and have my life completely like exposed to the world Or do I go Samsung with the sweet video, low light video and camera? I don't know. Like I don't, I don't.
0: For real ski, for real ski, I have the same dilemma, right? And I had it about five, six months ago and I, I wanted the pixel, but the thing was, this is just how I I think. I I think this way about a lot of things. It's probably not right, but it's the way that I think is that I'm on AT&T. You can't get the pixel through AT and T, you have to go to like Best Buy or somewhere online, buy the Pixel, and then you have to put it with AT and hate paying eight hundred or thousand dollars out of my pocket for something. I, I just, I just hate to do it. I'd rather pay two hundred dollars for the thing down, charge me eighteen dollars a month, and leave my money in the bank. It's a visual thing. I don't know. And so I just said, forget it. I'm going with the Samsung ten. But I was happy I did though. Because the only reason why I wanted the Pixel Three was because it was the most dominant camera. But then this mm-hmm. S10 came out, and dude, I'm straight killing it. People think I'm a photographer, and I'm like, no, I just got the <laughs> S10. You know, people people thought when I went to Cuba, Sydney, they thought that I that I had that I had a, a photographer there. I'm like, no, that's me and my S10. Even in the post, I have like hashtags all shot with Samsung S10. You know, so yeah, yeah. So. yeah. So that's I've the way I have seen some feel. of
1: those pictures. Yeah, no, I've seen some of those pictures. They're really, really good. Although, I kind of wonder if the new iPhone would give you a run for your money because now it's got like three lenses on it. I mean, well, have you seen this thing? No, it's- it's like all camera. Well,
0: um, it's crazy. But the S10 has that. It's good that you guys finally caught up, right? I mean, so, <laughs> see, I've already, the S10 has three cameras. It's. I'm glad. See, once again, it's more. This, this podcast is over. We're, I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> uh, this is great. So do you, do you, do you love to win or do you hate to lose?
1: I hate to lose and I was I've been dude that is one of those questions that like makes you question your you're like your, your character, I don't even character isn't the right word, but, but I know what you, you, mean, you asked us this at brain share and I've been thinking, about, I like dream about it now. And I'm like, okay, what is it? What kind of person does it make me that I hate to lose? I'm afraid to Google it. Like I know if I Google it, I could probably get the answer, but I won't Google it because I'm afraid to see what, what the world is going to tell me about me hating to lose. Like it's, you have, you have like, ah, dude. Oh,
0: I love it. <laughs> I know it does. It makes you go, well, nope, nope, this, nope. That, no, okay. And seriously though, you yeah. you probably know the next one and you maybe have had the thought of this is that, I mean, if there was that one thing and it, you could only choose one, but there's two possible choices. One would be skill and one would be luck. What do you think would be the main driver of who Sydney Rowe is today?
1: Oh, 100% skill. 200% skill. 200%? Luck is, yeah, luck, no, yeah. Luck is... um. Well, we're going to talk about timing, which I don't. Again, I don't think is luck, but I think people assume that, you know, when you look at success or things that happen in life, they say, "Wow, I mean, I was, I was, I was in the right place at the right time." You know, or I let's put it this way: I had a good product and I had the skill set, but anybody could have had the product and had the skill set, and it just happened to be me. That's not luck; that's timing. So yeah, no, not, not luck for sure. No,
0: no, no. And and what's crazy is, is um, our head commander in chief, uh, the uh, Steve Jobs of insurance, Seth Zaremba on his podcast, (laughs) when I asked him on the first podcast, him and I did, he even said 100% skill. And I think if I'm correct, I don't know. I'd have to, loyal listeners, you can challenge me on this. I think he actually said that he doesn't believe in luck, maybe. I think that's what he said. I know, I'm pretty sure. We'll have to look back on that. So that's interesting that uh, shows your guys' brains are are, are tightly aligned. So Sydney, like, uh, tell us, you know, take this uh, podcast over and, I mean, tell us what you've been doing. And I think that's going to lead right into why you're doing this podcast.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a crazy two and a half months. So to put it shortly went from corporate establishment red tape gig making good money and with a pretty solid safety net underneath me in terms of the future and said you know what i i don't know if i can keep doing this anymore just because of the reason the way we were making some decisions and what that meant for the independent agent channel and so started looking uh, about a year ago in, let's see, August, right about the time Ryan left actually was when I started looking too. Mm -hmm. And nothing really piqued my curiosity until I started talking more deeply with Seth, who I've known for three years. And he was ready to take this idea, this technology that he had really built Mm -hmm. just for his agency and take it into the world and, and create an actual product out of it. And so I said, well... Sounds like you're going to need some help with that. That sounds like a lot of work for one dude even though he, he is has the Steve Jobs of insurance. Uh, and and so we just I don't know, it's like kind of peanut butter and jelly uh, rather like peanut butter and chocolate is a better combination. Peanut so, butter
0: and chocolate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just That is a better combination. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it just he yeah, I I guess we could say jet fuel and rockets. I don't know. There's got to be a better one than peanut know. butter and jelly. That's probably it. Yeah. Anyways, but but yeah, so that that's what I'm doing now and um we're just plugging away. There's there's a lot of I wish what I'm struggling with now is just how it feels like we're we're moving so slowly and I I just I wish we could move faster. Like everyone keeps Asking more and more about when it's going to be done and when they can have it and all this stuff, and it's like I wish I could give it to you like today at three thirty p.m. I want to give it to you today at three thirty p.m. So, but we're we're building it out, we're doing it the right way, and uh, and we're going to make it um, you know the best version one that we possibly can. So that's what I'm doing now. Is that a good update?
0: That's a good update, and I have to tell you, I'm 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 one of those people, right? Uh, I I think there's there's a lot of people that are just finding out about Neon that. I mean, need you realize that that's where a lot of us were eight months, a year, year and a half ago, Um, Mm -hmm. and it was overwhelming, and now we've been sitting here, um, and we're not been sitting here. I'm not downing this whatsoever. I understand. I'm one of the neon pilots to all the loyal listeners who know, so I'm one of the initial that are going to go, so I'm on the ground, and I mean, things are actually going really fast. It's just there's so much to do. It's yes. like wading through molasses, but a lot of stuff is yes. being done. But we're doing things that have never been done before. You guys are doing some incredible things. But let's just start here. What is Neon? What What, what is Neon for my loyal listeners who are like, I've got Sydney Rowe here, which mm-hmm. is second in command to, to Steve. What is what is Neon? Steve Jobs is what I meant.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I've gotten this question a lot and and actually – the question I get most often isn't what is neon, but rather are you guys building an AMS? And I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to get that question because it's a valid question, mm-hmm. but the problem is it it actually says more about the person asking it than than anything else. And what I mean by that is we are currently in our industry stuck in this mindset and and this is I mean, I, I put a lot of responsibility on the people building technology for this industry for not, it's their responsibility to be educating us on where technology is going. So this is not me, you know, ranting against agents in any way, but we are stuck in this mindset that technology, insurance technology is agency management systems and that agency management systems are the pinnacle of... Of technological success in insurance. That's the highest level of, I mean, that's the thing that you need. If you're an insurance agent, you got to go get an AMS. And um, we are trying to start to shift that mindset and say, look, there's actually a different way of thinking about the technology that you need. Right now, what we're doing is saying, okay, you need to have a base agency management system. It doesn't do everything that you need it to do. It also doesn't open up to any other tools that you might have. Now you as an agent have to go out in this tech minefield and determine for yourself with no roadmap, without much guidance, what what isolated disparate pieces of tech tools that you can stack on top of that AMS to fully build out the efficiency that you need in your agency and the customer experience that you wanna to deliver to the people that you serve. And the that's the, I mean, that's a terrible way of thinking about technology. I mean, it's it, for for many different reasons, but there should be a, a base system that has way more flexibility and is way more forward thinking, especially considering the way we use data and think about data in our manufacturing data, even in our personal lives that 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 there needs to be there's more to it, right? So we we are actually struggling with what to call this thing. I will say that we're we're trying to build out a new category of technology. So right now you have your legacy tech, you have your insure tech, which is a lot of people coming from outside the industry saying, well, we've never worked in insurance before, but we're gonna try and build some tech that solves all your problems. And what's happened in that environment is agents have stood up, and because we have the capability today of investing and in actually building out technology, because it's, it's more accessible to build out the, these pieces of technology, we have agents standing up and starting to solve their own problems, like Total CSR, right? I mean, he's an agent, and he recognized a problem. E-pay, you know, there's a bunch of them out there who are saying, okay... Uh, legacy tech isn't moving forward. Insure tech c- can't figure out how to solve our problems because they don't know our problems. They're just creating a ridiculous amount of solutions that don't really necessarily meet our needs. We also have now have indie tech. We have in- in technology created by independent insurance agents, indie tech. And I think that that's the category that uh, that Neon fits into. So. I guess. Wow, in, in short, you what just busted man? out
0: some brand new stuff. Loyal listeners, do not get into a wreck. They concentrate on driving right now. <laughs> do not take that gulp of water in because you're swimming and you just like <laughs> and just like whoa. She just threw out indie tech. That's the baddest shit I've heard in a while, right there. Indie tech, not fintech, not insure tech. But indie tech, and oh my gosh, I've never categorized it like that in my head. But you're so right because there's so many agents out there that are coming up with their own technology, and and that is what mm-hmm. Neon is essentially is indie tech. You know, because well, as you said, what Seth is doing, Sydney. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. I didn't want to cut you off. That wasn't my thing. You blew my mind with the with the with the indie tech. You just did a fantastic job of laying out, and I'm looking, probably five minutes, and you just know, and I'm serious, it doesn't matter the time, I'm just saying, no, 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 I wish you would have went 10. I think you just laid out in great detail, but yet on a very basic level of what neon is. And I mean, I was really impressed as you were explaining this. I'm thinking, like, okay, I know a lot of this, but if I'm thinking like my loyal listeners, which is all I'm always trying to do, or to your listeners, is is to keep this simple. Maybe you've talked about that on your other stuff. I can't listen to all your podcasts and stuff. I I watch a lot of your YouTube videos, but your podcast here and there, and truth be known to everybody, I don't listen to podcasts really. I do listen to philosophize this podcast, but I really don't listen to much. And 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 Sydney, I think. You laid it out so well as to how we have to keep stacking all this technology and 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 stuff. Here's what I want to say. Let's let's talk about this. Let's 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 get on a side of this. So, at Brainshare, you loyal listeners know Seth did his presentation there. If you want, you can also get the recordings. You could go to AIBrainshare.com. You could get the recordings out there. Um, one of the sessions was recorded. One of them was not with Seth. And and some of the things that I want to tell you what I've heard. From when I say a lot of people, probably three or four, which means if they were voicing it that many were, vo- were thinking it, other people were thinking it, about what Seth said. They said that he borderlines on a conspiracy theory that they don't they, – it's not that they don't believe it. It's that they, that they don't – they don't believe that it's being done with ill intentions let's put it that way so he believes okay one of the one of the agents put it perfect he said he said i believe that they came out with commercial raiders because or personalized Raiders because they truly wanted to speed up the efficiency a lot of companies didn't want to do it because you know they wanted people to go to their website but they gave in because overall if you wanted to get a quote you had to do it also it made it more efficient and they understood so they were trying to help the agents but now over the long haul they're data collectors and they're using that tool to collect the data which, doesn't necessarily mean that they came up with the product to do that. It's just kind of evolved that way. And yes, there is an issue and we need to solve that. He, they don't think that it was done that way. And Seth described it at BrainShare. And once again, for all you loyal listeners, you you had to be in the whole conversation to understand the context of this conversation. But he talked about us owning a mine going down into the mine we are told to go down into the mine to mine the gold bring it back up give it to somebody else who will then who has better at us we've convinced us is better at it at selling it than us and then get a drink of water and go back down in the mine i believe that 1000% i really do but it was interesting sydney to get that other point of view where they kind of said I really don't believe they're making us go into the Mm -hmm. mine. I believe we're kind of doing the mine on our own or we're not doing that. I see, I see where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were in agreement, but they thought it was Mm -hmm. more conspiracy theory. And I'm going to end with this. I want to hear your thoughts on this, Sydney. I believe that he's correct, but I also believe that to do something as transformational as we are doing, you have to have a cause And a cause is built off a premise that we are being done wrong or something is being done not on an equal playing ground. And it needs to be elevated and noticed and talked about so that we can get back to that even playing ground. And I believe that's what Neon is trying to do, not trying to give us an advantage over somebody else, but to say, hey, we should be equal partners. What says you, Sid? Sorry, what says you?
1: Yes, I love you. Just, dude, the way you introduce concepts is amazing. Okay, so here's what I would say: it is incredibly hard to determine intention, which is what they're trying to figure out. And Seth really doesn't talk too much about intention. He sort of lays out the factual environment that we exist in. Let me just let's take this out of insurance for a sec. I'm going to give you a personal example and and a more an example, a business example that doesn't, ex- it, it's not in the insurance industry. Personal example is, so I, I live in this world right now where I don't talk with my parents and I didn't have the ability to take over my dad's agency, which is what I was betting on, you know, up until I realized, I came, kind of came out to myself and realized, oh, I, now I'm, I know that that option is going to be kind of nixed. Right. And when I had that conversation with him, I, I kind of knew that was coming do I think that they have bad intentions for creating that environment for me? No, I think they want what's best for me. And that's wow. the crazy part is that it's like their actions are saying one thing, but I know their intention is completely different. And I truly, deeply love my parents and I wish the best for them. And if you met them, you would love them. And But you know, that, that, so it's hard, right? Because you're saying, It's not like I'm saying, well, they're bad people and they had bad intentions, but I am going to hold them accountable for the actions that they're taking. And that's the difference, right? So now let's take this out of personal stuff. Let's take this into a business scenario. Google. Do I believe that Google is out to enslave all of us? No. Do I think they saw an opportunity and the world sort of evolved? And and I think they probably had some You know, they kind of created Mm -hmm. this world. I'm sure that they're very smart people, right? I mean, some of the smartest people in the world. They created this environment where they are profiting like nobody's business, and they've got an incredible amount of control. Do I think they have bad intentions? No. I think that the the people who run Amazon, Facebook, Google, these monster data companies, I think they probably have. They they want to make the world a better place. They have have a vision for what. They see the world can be, and they're trying to get there, and unfortunately, ends to a means, uh, or means to an end. Sorry, right? So let's bring this back into insurance now. I don't, I don't care about the intentions of the the, the different technology companies that are creating this environment. The fact is that they are creating the environment. And we have to hold them accountable. And it's our responsibility too as agents to hold them accountable for the environment that they're creating. I wouldn't, if I was going to even hint at their intention, I would not say that they're ill-intentioned. What I would say is that they just they're 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 too focused on trying to keep their business moving and, and creating that revenue and not truly thinking and stopping and caring about the daily life of an agent. But but that's and, and again that is, one hundred percent Sid's view. I I can't believe I really even said that on record. But I wouldn't. I, the intention right doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's what is the environment that's being created. So that's. What I was
0: and how how great of a concept you gave that. I mean, and you you just wow wow loyal listeners. You decided to hit play on the right day. <laughs> and so here's the deal. Like like you you took it to the total one side of the room to your personal which oh my goodness that was that was so good and if your parents heard that whether or not they are talking to you or not they would be proud of you for for explaining it that way that was very very awesome then you brought it middle right you brought it to the middle of the room by taking it to another not so much personal but now into business and then you brought it right into my agency and I think that that was absolutely genius because I love what you said. We don't – I don't care about their intentions. It's the fact that they've they, they've created that and I absolutely love that. Now, let's talk about that though. And actually, I read the uh, book. It's called In the Plex. I read it uh, – Probably 2010, 2009, 2010, or something like that. I was actually standing in line waiting to eat in uh, New Orleans, and Steve Anderson was in front of me, and he said, Hey, I'm reading this book in the Plex. And I'm thinking, if Steve's reading it, I'm reading it. So I read it, and it was really cool because one of the things that talks about the story of Google, which is a phenomenal story, mm-hmm. um, but one of the things that they their whole thing is, is don't be evil, right? Yeah. Their whole intentions and a mission is Sergey Brin and Larry Page was – Everybody was manipulating the data and not providing, and they were doing it for their own intentions. And that's what made Google so good was we're not going to be evil. Now, I'm not going to say that's them today. That's not what I'm saying, listeners. Okay, That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is is that that was their intention from the very, very get-go. If you want to read a good book, anybody out there, read In the Plex. Very, very entertaining and great book. I'll throw something out there a little bit because let's move into timing, Said You want to talk about timing, so I want to get your ear on that. And this kind of goes to it, having good timing. Google actually sat on, Sergey Brin for Google sat on Samsung's board back in 2006, 2007. Also sitting on Samsung's board was a guy by the name of Steve Jobs, This is the beginning of the hate relationship between Samsung and Apple because Samsung brought to the board meeting a concept of a phone that was the smartphone. They had actually taken the technology because if you look factually, Nokia actually created the first cell phone in 2002, 2003. This is all in the book. And that technology really kind of faded out. They, they it just didn't really work. Samsung took it, thought, hey, we have something here, brought it to the board, and per the book, Steve Jobs walked out of the meeting, called his developers at Apple, said, get the iTouch, put a damn phone in it, and sell it. Oh and God. there went the iPhone. Now... When you look at that story, then all from very, they're still fighting each other over the technology that they that they've stole from each other. They're still fighting to this day from that that thing that happened there. It was about the timing of Steve Jobs being on that board. It was about the timing of Steve Jobs coming up with the iPhone and coming up with the iTouch to be able to be at the position that he had created. So was it not luck? No, it was skill. He had already created something. He just didn't have a thought to put the phone into it. There's also that thought out there that everybody says that Steve Jobs said, hey, he challenges engineers and said, we're going to create a phone with only one button. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. You got to read the book and think about it for yourself, but it was about timing And I want to get your thought on some of the stuff you're doing and Neon and your thoughts on timing. Bring that into this conversation, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because um, Neon has caught caught a, a wave of attention recently, and I've been thinking about... Uh, Let's just put it this way. I I came. I was in my LinkedIn newsfeed, and I came across this post by the the founder of Spanx. (laughs) You probably don't wear Spanx, but
0: no, but it's a woman. (laughs) Yes, I know her story. (laughs) I mean, if you ever
1: did wear Spanx, I would not. I would. She's like a
0: billionaire now. Am I right? She's a billionaire. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, yes, she is. And she talked a lot about how much work she put in for the first five years of that company. And I was reflecting on that post because I wondered if there was an element of timing. I felt like she had kind of taken on the full, you know, I read this post and I was like, it it was sort of like, look at me. And and, and she's an amazing person, by the way. This is not any detriment to her, but it was sort of like a, look at how hard I worked. And because I worked so hard, I was success- successful, which I think is the mm-hmm. mantra that we tell ourselves. Well, all I have to do is work really hard and I'm going to be successful. And I don't actually think that's true. I think that there are these moments that happen in our lives. Mm. And we, when we come across them, we have choices to make. And that timing, that element of timing plays a huge factor in whether or not we're quote unquote successful, even though I would really, the way I define success is more making a positive impact on the world. But I guess just in terms of like, you know, being a successful business person. I like that. So, yeah. And so I've been thinking about Neon and why we've, there's been a lot that's happened. Like, for example, we're about to close out our series A, which is 1.5 1.5 million, and we've done it in almost less than three months. We're turning people down at this point to invest in Neon. So, Love you know it. that that's huge. And they're all agents. We didn't take any money from carriers. We didn't take any money from private investors from from or from uh, VC funds because we cared about. Who was behind this company, and we wanted it to be the righteous, something that agents. Yes, exactly. The right people were behind, um, and that's crazy. I mean, I'm 29, and this is my first venture, but that this seems mind blowing to me. And so, why is that? I mean, is it is it just Seth? Is it just the product? No, I don't think it is. I think there's a there's unfortunately there's this we're in this environment right now where there is palpable frustration in the agent force because of two things. I addressed one of them in the video I put out last week or this week, rather, the days are running together. Hmm. You know, I met Nick- Nicholas Ayers back in 2017 and he was talking about how frustrating it was that he had to do so much duplicate entry and how much that was costing his agency. Um, now, fast forward to 2019, he's doing even more duplicate entry and so mm-hmm. how has that problem not been solved in two years or at least been addressed? It's like, wow. I mean, and here's the thing. At the same time that we're saying uh, that we're we're not helping move the, the tech space for agents forward in a meaningful, purposeful way, we're also then sort of looking at agents and saying, what's your problem? Why aren't you more tech focused? Why aren't you more data focused? And at some point you have to stand you know, back and think, and look at the, the, this message that's being told and say, well, wait a second, you know, why, why am I being told, why am, why is the responsibility on me to adopt bad tech? Mm
0: -hmm. I mean,
1: you know, it's, it's making my life more difficult, not, not less difficult. So I guess, you know, when I think about neon, I, what makes it so special is that there is this element of timing. It's not me. It's not, I mean, Seth is a very special person and the product is very special, but it's really, un- unfortunately, this environment that we're in that I think is pushing the product forward ultimately.
0: Mm-hmm. totally. Um,
1: so uh, what, what are your thoughts on, I loved the Steve Jobs thing. I had yeah. no idea that Yeah, Sam you got to
0: read was- In the Plex. It's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic book and you'll really learn a lot. I mean, you learn stuff about how the reason like... One of the reasons how we found out to run blades, like server blades, how to be able to run servers to where you can stack enough servers into a tight spot and not have them overheat, but yet still have enough. and how they found that out like and we still use these measurements to well i mean when i when i read the book back then they still used the measurements back then okay but what it how they did it was is how many they could stack inside of their stanford dorm closet seriously this is how we still do this today and and then the, if you look at the dimensions of how tall a lego piece is they would stack legos on top of the servers and then put another server on top of it and they figured out that they figured oh out God. how many fans they would need in there, with how much gap in between it, so they could stack more servers in there. Because that's where they started. Google was inside of their dorm room and st- at Stanford University. I mean, so it's like it's like crazy stuff. Like the way that data is moved, they they created these these data centers, and they would put them right next to. Uh, electric lines because they pulled so much energy that they would they would make uh, agreements with the electric companies and they would put their data centers right next to these big transformers. Uh, the way that they, they did this mm-hmm. for um, people have no idea how important they were in spreading internet across America because they demanded that they had to have this stuff. They created so much infrastructure, it's r- ridiculous that we don't see because it's not telephone poles. You know what I mean? It's, it's, not, wa- it's not roadways. Nope. It's not things we can see so, so nope. we don't see that. So yeah. But anyways, as far as timing goes, I think you're absolutely right. It is the environment. It's totally the environment. It's, it's, it's investing in Amazon or Apple in 1997. That's what these agents are doing in Neon. It's just that in 1997, the few people that did saw something that everyone else didn't, that's just the way the world works. There's only going to be 20% of the the industry force that's going to see it for a while. Ryan Handley and I have been a victim of this. Ryan Handley and I came up with Digital Insurance Marketing Academy back in 2011, 2012, and it failed on its face. Now, Digital Marketing Academy and teaching people how to blog, how to use active campaign, how to to, um, sell insurance online, how to do those things is what everybody's doing. And it's like, duh, why didn't that work, right? We were ahead of the curve. A lot of those people didn't. I look back at you and I talked about this, and uh, I like to say in the green room before the podcast. It just doesn't it just like make us sound like we're in Hollywood studio or something you know. <laughs> <laughs> back in the green room, anyways, uh, we were uh, sitting back there snacking on carrots. Wow. So, so, the here is what happened with Outliers, and, and and some of my loyal listeners know about this. I don't think I've talked about this in a while, but in the book Outliers, they talk about timing. They talk about timing being one of the five major factors in the professional. When you look at businesses, organizations, or you look at individual people and their success, I'll give a couple of them because you can do it by, by, like time uh, that we're living in, like you're talking about with neon right now, which would have been I would I would kind of correlate that to. The environment that was created at the time, I would correlate that to being born at the right time. Uh, no matter what age you are right now, you can be a part of Neon, but I think you, at what age you are right now gives you a little bit clearer view of the impact and the vision of who Neon is that can allow you to get more excited, more involved, more invested at an earlier time than other people. Let's give you an example, loyal listeners, and to all you be atomic exploders out there. Here's what I say back, if you look back in between the years of, once again, my math is rough, but I'm very, very close. It was 54 to 59 in between 1954 and 59 Steve Jobs was born Bill Gates was born Gene Wachowski was born um i can't you just go on and on you look at all of the tech greats today of the companies that were here in the 80s and 90s that are still here um and and those who uh, that that have even sold okay you look at the fact that they were all born then and you're like wow that's weird why would that have had anything to do with it because most of them were going into college in between 1968 and 1974 when mainframe computers were being put into college campuses. Bill Gates at, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, his university. um, I think it was Michigan or, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, Bill Gates, the the, the college he was at, the the mainframe computer that was put in there, he was the first person uh, assigned to it. I don't know this factually, but there I have heard and read that if you go back and look at the punch cards that he used for the first mainframe computer, you will see that he achieved 10,000 hours before most people even knew that there was a computer on the campus. And we know the rule of 10,000 hours, that if you do something for 10,000 hours, you're considered a master at it. So before most people even had mainframe computers on the universities or even knew what that word was, he had already mastered it. So it gave him such an up. It's not that he was possibly one of the greatest people in the world. It has to do with the fact that he was at the right place at the right time. And that was the key. Now, I will Mm -hmm. tell you, there could have been somebody else that could have got that opportunity and said, eh, I don't want that. Right. So maybe it was his skill level to say, no, I can see this. And it wasn't luck. See, that goes back to what we were having that conversation of inch- earlier. So you can see it both ways. Mm-hmm. But if, if if he was the dude who was like, hey, we need someone to run this. And someone just pointed somebody out of a crowd and said, you, you know, once again, you could say it's still skill because he was in the room, right? So, so we don't really know. We can have that debate forever. That's why I asked the question. When you look at hockey players in Canada, When you look at American baseball players, baseball players in America, the vast majority of them are born in September, October, and November. And the reason is, is because the cutoff date for American baseball for boys, and I think women, uh, girls as well, I'm not sure. I I have two boys. I I don't know about that, is September 1st. So a kid who is born on August 1st is playing in the same league as kids who were born the year before in September. So, he has an 11 month disadvantage at the age of five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Uh, it's 11 months is a long time of development. So, that yeah. kid who was born in September, he's playing against kids that are nothing but younger. So, they have that advantage. Same way in hockey, in hockey, it's January 1st. Most hockey players are born in January, February, and March. Timing cannot be overseen or overstated as how important it is. And right now, we're in one of those times. We're in one of those times. And here's the thing, folks. Here's how I know Sydney's right. Every industry is in one of these times this just doesn't insurance this is in every industry my mom's in nursing though technology is transforming the way nursing is being done in medicine and the way the lawyers look at accounts whenever they can just not look at their uh, their law books on the t- on the wall no they can go to ai machines that can look back and read law's books from the year 1000 and they can and they can correlate it to today that stuff that could never be done—it's changing law, it's changing CPAs, and they do and challenging. Wonder they'll need CPAs eventually, except for high-level things. So I think it's happening in everything. And Sid, you're so right. And and for any of you listening to this podcast, it's why Sid and I do this. We got to get this in your ear. We got to make you do this thing called think. You got to think about this stuff. It's in now here's the thing, Sid, let's let's go to the agent side who's listening to this and doubting this. Let's let's go to their side real quick. Okay.
1: Okay. All right.
0: They were told in the 80s that the fax machine would put them out of business. They were told in the 90s that it would be the internet. They were told in the late 90s, early 2000s that it would be probably email. Then they were told in the late 2000s there's going to be social media, digital marketing, Google, all that's going to put them out of business or it's going to change the way they do business. And most of them still today sell over the phone, answer on the phone. And this just isn't affecting them because they have these people who have all these tech and I'm selling just as much, if not more than them and I now I'm being told this neon thing is going to transform it because Cass is all hyped up about this. I don't buy it.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's,
0: it's tough, right?
1: Well, so here's the thing. I don't actually – I know we say, well, agents are still answering the phone, you know, selling by phone, et cetera, but I'm hard-pressed to think of an agency that doesn't use email, which is the next iteration of fax, mm-hmm. doesn't have a website, doesn't have any sort of real technology uh you know i mean that really just isn't on the map digitally and is just only doing traditional face to face selling servicing etc you know having people literally come into the office all of their clients i'm hard pressed to find somebody like that so while i think
0: good point
1: yeah and and so again i mean to the point of i, I mean did it put them out of business? No, I don't think so. I think eventually they they moved forward and they started adopting some of this technology. What what we're doing at Neon is definitely not for everyone. I mean, there will be people out there who say, "You know, I'd rather just do things the way that I'm doing them." That's fine. I mean, if that's if that's the way that you want to run your business at that, that no no hard feelings. I you know, shake your hand and wish you the best of luck and respect, right? I mean, there's 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 mm-hmm. that's amazing, I think. But but I think that 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 what our consumers are starting to demand, and I really start, I mean, I spend so much time thinking about my partner's kids and how much time they spend online. They, they wanted to go mm-hmm. see this movie called Ready Player One like last year, I think. And I was thinking, oh, okay, like another kid's movie. All right, we'll go see this. And they were enamored by it. They were like, we have to go see this movie. It's so good. You know, all our friends are talking about it. I'm like, okay. Um, And it was set in this dystopian world in the future where everybody lived in trailer parks and we, we truly experienced, you know, life in quotes via virtual reality and virtual reality was this game where anyways, it turned into a, there was a whole plot behind it, but just this idea that we are creating a second version of ourselves. And that second version is what we want to be, we, that's the best version that we see ourselves being. I mean, that's already starting to happen with social media. Why do we not think that that's going to carry forward as the world moves on? Hmm, um, like so I guess to those people, well, and to those people too, I mean, I think about, you know, I think about my dad's agency and I know my brother's going to come in, he's 18, 19 now. So he'll be, you know, he's already started working there and he's, he's going to Take a little bit more responsibility on some leadership over the next couple of years. and you know what he's got crazy ideas, right? I mean, he's just a kid. He's like, "Oh, we could do all this cool stuff, and it's like, what environment has my dad left for him to work in? I mean, not don't just think about where where are we gonna be in twenty years or you know five years whenever you're retiring, but where are you gonna be in a hundred years? Where's your agency gonna be in two hundred years? What's that world going to look like? That's the kind of stuff that I think about. Hmm,
0: I love that. Because it's just exciting. It, is exciting. it is exciting.
1: I don't know. I don't know if that was a good, uh, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think uh, if you had an agent sitting in front of you? Yeah.
0: Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. you blew my mind with the virtual reality thing. Okay. Because um, mm, 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 mm. I can't, I can't say anything. And so there is some technology that is coming and is being developed right now. I I was in applied net this, this weekend, and I had uh, a couple cold, refreshing beverages with a guy who gave me some insight on some virtual reality technology that's coming to the insurance industry it's actually already here they're they're trying to perfect it as much as possible and i think that's going to be mind blowing so it's going to be it's going to do help agents it's going to elevate agents so one of the things going back that uh, sorry to bring that up. I just, I really kind of thought to myself, maybe I should say, cause is there anything I could say that would hint at it, but I just can't. And I'm sorry. Cause he would literally come kill me. <laughs> so anyways, and he listens to my podcast. So, so anyway, so, um, so, so, so one of the things I want to say though, about the, the other thing, um, about do we need it and to that person who says, you know, I thought this was going to put me out of business and stuff like this. Here's what I have to say. Okay. Now this is where I just get a little rough. So you guys got to forgive me. Everybody knows Cass has no filter. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm trying to get you to think. Okay. So... The lady's name's Deborah. She calls me on the phone. She asked me for insurance. It's 2013. I'm working in the basement of my home. She asked me that if I could, uh, if she want to get a quote. I collect all of her information. She's asking a bunch of questions kind of around technology, and I thought it was kind of unique. I go to a quota insurance. I tell her I'll call her back. I go to quota insurance. I look at the prior insurance record. Looked like she'd been with Geico for four years, but I noticed the last year she had been with an agent right in my town. Actually, it was an agency that I knew. And it, good agency i I literally told her I probably would be insured with them if I wasn't an insurance agent and whenever i'm proposing this to her, she's asking questions about how i'm going she's going to be able to service she can you know is there a place is she, Am I open twenty four hours um do I have a mobile app? She was asking these questions and and, and I asked her, I said, first of all, I got a couple of questions. I was like, you're asking a lot of questions that no one ever asked. Keep in mind, this is 2013. And I said, you're asking all these questions that no one really asked. And I was like, and, and I'm just curious why. And I said, and then also I'm curious, you were with GEICO for four years, and then you, which is loyalty. And then you moved to this. Was there something that happened at this agency? Was, was something wrong? I, it's a good agent. And this is what she says to me. She says, Jason, you local independent agents, you don't provide the same amount of value that Geico does. That was the, that was the beginning of my book. Wow. Because, that's, because as I tell, if you've heard me speak, you've heard me say this. When she said that, there's really truly only two emotions that most people are going to encounter. And the first one is, how dare she? How dare she not know the value that we provide? we're there when we need you. You could come in and shake our hand. We're going to be there at claim time. We're going to be there as your trusted advisor. Call us anytime you need. To her, that wasn't important. To her, the value was, can I do it on my own time? Are you, is somebody going to be there to answer questions when I need them answered? Am I going to be able to do business with you in the way that is acceptable to my life? That was the value. And so the second emotion I had was, how dare me? How dare me to put my values upon this person and say, this is what's important. Where I'm going with this is when you think about the experience she had, she probably wanted to go back. Geico. I did not get the business, by the way. I did not get the business and I don't know where she went, but she probably went back to Geico. This is someone who left our main competitor in the direct world, gave us independence the chance. We failed in a year and she probably went back because they provide more value because we're stuck on the old time value. So it's not so much that the email puts you out or the fax puts you out. It's been proven those things didn't. And Sydney, you had a great point along with it. And that is they're still using those things. And they have 20, 30, 40, 50% of their clientele, and they may not realize it or not, that actually use those things. And it's actually propelled their business forward. But I don't have much sympathy for a lot of agents anymore who want to stick their head in the sand. Because what you're doing is you're hurting our industry now. You're literally hurting our industry. The the lady left. How many people are leaving State Farm, Allstate, Geico, where they provide a seamless all-in-one service, a mobile app, online bill payments, um, making life easy, allowing them to do it themselves, creating an app that they can use, gamification, to get money back? You know, this is what some of the stuff that they're doing and we're still sitting here trying to decide if neon's an AMS or not, right? That, that That's the big crux. Like you said, that's the number one question you get. Oh my gosh, that's the number one question I get. So Jason, what is neon? Is it an AMS? And I love your answer because I'm going to start using that from now on. But that's that's what we can't get over. We can't get over this and I'm to the point now where it's it's kind of like, and here's the thing, this is the truth, Sydney and and i said this in the last podcast when i was at the ivans meeting this may i used to be the guy in the ivans board meeting that would sit there and say we need to do this and we need to not care about those who don't understand we got to move this industry forward and i was always the goddamn jason he's he's so rough he's got to realize that there's other people in the world besides him da, 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 and every year i say it not this year This year was the very first year where they took us aside as agents and they said, they put us in this room and they said, before we leave and you guys leave, we need you to tell us what you want from us in the next three to five years. Because if we keep doing the things we're doing, we're not going to be here. And we've been listening to the wrong people all along, meaning agents. And, and we need to know what we can do because we're to the point now that we're going to start developing products and services for agents that if people don't agree with it, that's okay. We're willing to go with the 10 or 15 to 20% that do. And I was like. Wow! Holy cow! Okay, now we can do something. You know, there, there's there's companies out there who are investing millions of dollars in products and services that they've been told that are needed, and they put out there, and no one uses them because they're listening to the wrong people. And and you can't listen to the crowd. You've got to find those unique people out there, and you've never had to do that before. So I'm challenging those got to use that word challenge, Sid. And sometimes when you're trying to transform people's brain, you have to challenge them because you have to challenge them to think like, like they never have. It's like Ford said, uh, Henry Ford said, if I would have asked people what they what they wanted, they would have said, I needed a faster horse. There was finally, but dude, check this out. Like in 1923, yeah. there were still people riding horses, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like cars like buzzing by them, and they're, and they're just like, "Yep, I'm gonna keep doing this." You know, I mean, and it's like, it's it's like, wow. Eventually, <laughs> you're gonna go, dude. Eventually, they're gonna make rules that you can't ride your horse on the street because it poops everywhere. You know what I mean? You can't do it. It's just you're slowing down traffic, bro. Get off the road. And so that's just that's just the way that it is. And so, anyways, I'm sorry. I get out there, Sydney. You gotta reel me back in sometimes.
1: Well, no, I, I, I love that. And I, and I think to, I guess I was thinking about trying to boil it down to a more granular level too. I, I I think we're in the world we live in now, we don't often get the opportunity to meet people face to face anymore. I mean, I started hearing that, like I said, back in like 2016, 2017, it was, oh, now we're doing video proposals. Now we're doing, and the reason is because you're not going to the, they're not coming to your office and you're not going to the coffee shop to meet them. Um, so how do you, and if the agent's value proposition is relationship and getting to know someone and having that trust and that bond, you know, how do you start to, to really get to know someone? Um, I think there's a huge opportunity with, uh, with the manufacturing Mm -hmm. or creation of, of data. Right. I mean, again, the way I think about data is, recreating life on earth in a different world. That sounds crazy, but 100%, I, that I is what I believe. I think every single day we're online, we're recreating our life at the agency level, at the individual mm-hmm. level, the carrier level, whatever, right? I mean, it's, it's a second self. And so if the problem is, well, I don't have the opportunity to get to know someone, And yet they're telling you Mm -hmm. everything about themselves in this other world. Why would you not take it like, I mean, and not take advantage in a bad way, but why would you not, why would you not grab that opportunity? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I, and and, you know, I guess here's, here's what I should have said when you said, uh, you know, said, what would you say to those people? Honestly, I would just say, I wish you the best of luck. And I really, truly mean that. I think you, you have a tendency to, to, to challenge people because you want to pull them and, and want them to be the best. And that's amazing. But I think there are also some people out there who will just, you know, they're just, it's, you're not going to be able to pull them along. So, um, I would say the best of luck to them because I I hope they do really well and are successful in their own, um, way, but I'm really excited about the future and what it holds. So let me ask you this, I'm going to switch the i switch the yeah. tables on you. Are you ready? Go ahead. Okay. We talked about timing, but in light of <laughs> professional success, I think you have you had some thoughts when we were in the green room. <laughs> I, I, it I love cool it. To I say love that it. the green room <laughs> on timing and um, how we spend our time in our personal life and how that what who that makes us and what that makes us capable of professionally and personally. Um, you want to spill it? Wow. For the audience? Yeah. What do you okay.
0: Talk? So it's so crazy. My brain has just been driven into this, this neon thing. Um, yeah. So, so there was something I was going to say about transformation though, because there's things that people need to understand when we look at transformation from the horse into that, that into that you know into that car there there was a difference when we came from that cd into digitally on our phone you know it was understanding that drastic difference didn't mean that i wasn't still listening to cds in 2004 actually i was probably listening them to them yeah my my lincoln was a 2008 i got rid of a couple of years ago and at the beginning of having it i was listening to cds right so that's 0809 but I mean, I, my goodness gracious, I haven't listened to one of those in 10 years, right? But even, you know, though iTunes came out in 0203, it doesn't mean that I immediately adopted it. And the one thing I, I want to state real quick before is that sometimes in transformation, you can get left behind. But I want to say that in the transformation of Neon, If you're going to be one of the first 10 to 15 people on NEON, or if you're going to be number 300 or 1,000, I don't think there's any advantage. And I think people need to know that. There's nothing to say. It's okay to believe in the beliefs and follow along and say, hey, this isn't the time for me. But I understand what Sid and Seth are doing. I understand what Be Atomic is about. I understand the concepts. I'm starting to look at things a little bit differently. I'm starting to think about things that I normally didn't. And, and that's the beginning of it because it's okay. Let's say this thing comes out tomorrow. It's okay that you get on next year or the year after that or the year after that. It's okay. But I will say 10, 15 years from now, if you're not on a neon or a neon competitor, you will be that horse on that street. You will be. And, and, and it's going to be easier just to move you off because it's going to allow everybody to flow better. And and we're not trying to be rude, right? You just got to get on a back road. And those are usually longer, and it's a lot. The road's a lot more rough. So that's that's kind of the way that I look at that transformation. I want us to understand that it's not an immediate thing. It may be in terms of your thinking, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be immediate in your adoptability of it. I just wanted to put that out there before we jumped over. Make sense, Sid?
1: Makes total sense. Yep. I love it, dude.
0: Okay. Okay. I just just wanted to make sense. So so here's something that Sid was talking about. And and, and loyal listeners, I'm not going to go on about this for a lot. I literally just came up with it this morning. Um, I was in my office and I've been doing some thinking about this. And I'm like, I'm going to put this into words. And I was going to put it into a couple sentences. And it turned into like this huge article um, that I wrote in an hour wasted an hour of the morning, but that's what I did. And the reason why I did this was is as I wrote this and I read it, I said to myself, and I told this to Sid, 50% of the people are going to so wholeheartedly disagree with me. It's going to be ridiculous. But the other 50% are going to say, Cass, I feel you. And that's my life. I'm could I'm not saying that this has to do with you, but what I'm saying is is I want to challenge your thinking because that's what I try to do, especially I've some of my biggest feedback, um, Sydney, over the last uh, probably, Da, 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 da. couple months, especially at Applied Net, is people saying, I love your Three Little Lies podcast. Really, truthfully, in the last year or two, haven't had as many people talk about it. But it's cool is, is they didn't come and just say, hey, I loved your Three Little Lies podcast. There was a bunch of people who said, baloney, and you're wrong. And I love it. I'm like, yeah, now we're doing <laughs> something. And so now this is one of those other little things that it may not be a lie, but it may be something that you have not realized. And then when you maybe have realized it, you've tried to justify it. I believe that if you come into work earlier, you're going to have more success. And the reason being as simple as numbers, so that if, okay, I come into work at at 8.30 in the morning, what if you came in at seven, right? If you came in at seven and it was an extra hour and a half a day, that's seven and a half hours a week, which turns into about 30 hours a month, That's literally a whole day. For my agency specifically, we start at 8.30, we end at 4.30, and they have an hour for lunch. That's seven and a half hours a day or seven hours a day. So literally, they're almost getting a whole week's worth of work done just by coming in a little little bit earlier. And the number one thing you hear out there is, and if you really want to take it further than that, they're getting an extra week. And if you take that over the course of a year, they're getting like an extra couple months of work. Done. And and I will brag. I come in early. I'm there at seven. And I and I think about this because so many people ask me inside my office and outside, how do you get all the stuff you get done? How do you do it? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know. I go to bed at eight or nine o'clock every night. I sleep a lot. I get up at 4:30 or 5 and I go to work, you know? And it comes to that. I just read the the this book the perfect formula. You guys probably just heard the podcast with Chris Ballantyne, a best selling author that I did with the, um, the perfect day formula. And he's really convinced me of this. And it challenges me to bring that into the insurance industry and challenge you and say, why don't you get up earlier? Why are you not doing what you know is successful? When you try to mimic the people you want to be, you have to be honest and say, they get to work a little bit earlier. But I want to challenge you that majority of us justify it By the fact that we have kids, and I think it's a wrong justification, and I think we use this as an as an excuse. Woo! There we go. Fifty percent of the people just disagreed with me there, Sydney. They just disagreed (laughs) with me there. I
1: I wish I could have uh, recreated my green room like when you said that, and I was in the green room. I was like, "Whoa, okay, we just started a fire. That's cool." (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. It's,
0: you know, I started a I started a fire of 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 thinking with logs that are burnable. It's not saying that it is true. It's not saying that that it's not you. Mm-hmm. Um I used a couple examples, I won't use their names now, of people I can imagine would call me and say, Jason, that's my kid time. That's my time where I look forward to getting them up, making their breakfast. I literally put them in the car. I drive them to school. I walk them to the classroom. I wave to them every day or I give them a kiss on their cheek. And and that's my thing. Okay, then you're not the person I'm talking about. But I want to tell you that the vast majority of people do not do that. But yet they'll be like, well, I got to take my kids to school. Well, actually – let me just say this. I'm not going to point at you. I'm going to point at me. I was that parent. My kids are now 14 and 20. My son, they when they were little, that's what I did. Well, I got to take him to school. No, you didn't. The bus could have taken him. Well, I don't really want to go as my wife could have taken him. Well, I don't know the neighbors had kids the same age went to the same school, so I could have had them ride with them. Yeah, but I'm real big into sports. You could have that 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 you could have the schedule at some other time. Your kids, your kids. you're probably the coach. You don't, you don't have to make it early in the morning. Yeah, but I want to be a part of my community and it's really important that I go to these. No, that that's your decision. That, that's your decision. But I am telling you that the vast majority of you are making up excuses and I want to challenge that thinking because I want you to say this to yourself. This all comes down to defining who you are. This all comes down to defining what you want to be. What does your vision look like? In the books that I've read, there's, it's, it's probably 80-20, but in the books that I've read, they all talk about the correlation of people getting up early. Um, uh, there was one that I was just reading about uh, 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 him, uh, Ernest Hemingway. They get drunk every night straight lit up until midnight, but he always got up at four 30 or five and you spent the first three hours doing his best writing. And then he'd go back to bed because there's something about that morning. And there's Michelangelo only painted until 1130 in the morning, started right before dark, right as the light was coming up. So then he could see to paint. He He understood that that's where the power of the creativity came. I'm asking you to do that, but I'm also asking you to challenge to say the books also have stated that every human, Usually works about the same amount of hours. Even those who only work for 20 years and retire, they usually work about the same amount of hours as the person who worked from 20 to 65.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Think about that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Think about that. That So, where's that secret? That secret is his understanding that that hour, hour and a half in the morning, which is usually not taking away from family time, most of you, because most of you are sitting around looking at your Facebook, doing the old thumbsy upsy, eating your bagel, drinking your coffee, yelling at your kid to get out of the shower. That's what you're doing. That's really what we're doing. That's not family time. I would also challenge my staff to say, you better not be working after 430 because that is family time. I don't want you working after four 30. Some of, most of my employees have to drive home. And the reason we get off at four 30 is because I don't want them to get off at five. I want them home by five. So they're with their family. That's my, my whole strategy from the beginning, whole strategy from the beginning. If you have young kids, I get it. I mean, you just got to, but I don't think a lot of you do. So that 50% out there, I'm asking you to challenge yourself. If you, you want to be as retired at 55, you better get to work at seven because you got to work those hours. And I just think that that's important. And 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 I'm going to divulge more of this. I encourage you to get your feedback. You can hit me at jason at agency-intelligence.com. You know I'm always there. A lot of you still use me at jason at growprogram.com. Hit me back. I just came up with this this morning. I know it's going to make a lot of people mad, but I want you to know the people that it's making mad, I get it. You're the exception. You're the, I get it. So don't get mad. Just be like, okay, I could see, I could see that. But keep in mind, your kids are going to get older one day. Make sure when they do get their own rides that you are getting to work at seven, right? Start preparing yourself. Start understanding this concept. This is the riches of retirement. Just some of those things to think about. That's what I think. Sydney, you got anything to add before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I was not a morning person. I used to get up at like, you know, eight o'clock and then rush and make breakfast and you know just kind of be at work and i would always be in this like panic mode for the first 45 minutes cuz you're like kind of coming off of that rush of the mm-hmm. morning and i actually joined a gym uh that was my that was like the catalyst for my new day i guess you could say and it wasn't even my choice my partner wanted to do it it was this 10 week challenge that we did uh and i was kind of like okay well i want to be a supportive partner and I mean, I do love going to the gym. I just had typically gone in the afternoons, but I can switch it up and do a 5 a.m. class for 10 weeks. That sounds good. And um, it's actually become, I mean, it's a routine now. We get up every day at 4.15 and uh, go work out at 5 a.m. And we get there a little early and we talk to everybody. And um, it's a really special hour because it's just like, I mean, there's a, there's a really intense camaraderie in our group. Like if I don't show up, I'll start getting text messages from people. Where were you this morning? And, but it's really changed my entire day. Like I, I don't come into the, you know, my work morning rushed. I come in a lot calmer a lot with a lot more intention, having, you know, some time to have thought through what I want my day to look like and kind of plan it out. And, um, you know, I get done on time now. It's like, I, you know, I used to try and fit way too much. And I'm sure you do this too. It's like, oh, now I got to go to dinner. And it, the whole day, just, I'm telling you like this completely shifted mm-hmm. just the way I live my life every day. And it's calmer and it's more intentional and I get, I'm more productive. Um, I love it. And I'm, I don't know that the gym is the the answer, right? You were talking about Using it no, it is time or whatever, but right, yeah, it's powerful. Taking that time in the morning is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And I, but I will say this: the first, let's see, one, two, three, the the first four months that I did it was hell. It was absolute hell because trying to go from I'm going to get up at you know seven thirty eight to I'm now getting up at four fifteen in the morning and going and working out. I was exhausted for like a good four months. I would just get up and I just kept doing it because I knew if I kept doing it, I'd get over that. But it took a solid four months of exhaustion to get to a good place. So I won't, you know, don't go into it thinking like day one, it's going to be the best thing ever you got to work for it, yeah. but man, you get over that. And hump, it's like working out. It, you just got to, you it's, can't it's just powerful. jump
0: into it immediately. So. You know, I mean, you've got to, for me to get up at four, four 30, I've always been a dude that gets up at six, but man, six 40 or five 45, five 30 was tough. So I started there at five 30 and I did that for a while. And then I went to five and then I went to four 30 and then it becomes addicting because you start yep. to see the results. Right. And and here, and here's, here's the way to look at it. Everybody, once she's saying the difference between Sydney and what she's doing now and what Sydney did before is Sydney is allow is getting the world to join her and Sydney used to join the world. Meaning that whenever Sydney can get all of her thoughts collected mm. first and organize her day and stay focused and drive forward, at then things start happening to her. She knows her priority, her route for that day. She can understand if that's going to distract her or not. When you wake up late and the day, day has already started and you join it, Now you're dictated by it because you did not have a plan. You thought you were going to try to get together when you were actually in the, you know, you were thinking, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then you get to work and the phone's ringing and you got seven people coming at you. And so what you did is you joined the day. The key is, is you have to get the day to join you. And, and that is a, is a concept that was taught by Craig Valentine in the way that he had to start thinking about that. And that's what you're doing. And, 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 and here's the thing that he uses to justify that thought is how many of us have every once in a while there was something that you had to do so you got up early and you got to work early. Do not tell me by the end of the day you were not thinking, wow, I got a lot more done than I normally would. We've all done that. And then we go back the next day and we come in late and we try to mimic that same thing and it never works out. And 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 so understand that you're getting that little pop of dopamine, you're getting a little free drugs because you're actually changing your life. And like you said, Sydney, it's hard. It took four months. Well, if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it, folks. That tells you it's the thing to do. You know, it's like broccoli's terrible. Well, things that are good for you are taste terrible. So eat it. You know what I mean. Don't sit around. Yeah. I love broccoli. Broccoli is awesome. I kind of like broccoli. But most people don't like it. it was, There's not a fruit right. or vegetable I do not like except for guava. I found out in Cuba. I do not like guava. I think it's the. I think it's terrible. It's the only fruit I've ever ate in my life that I do not like. But yeah, I like all that stuff. So, anyways. So I would, the thing that I got to say is Sydney overall, I think we talked about a lot of great stuff today. Um, and I'm, Holy cow. How long have we been going here? Well, hour and 13. Wow. That was some good stuff though. To me, that wasn't an hour (laughs) and 13 minutes. So that was fantastic. I mean, I'm going to sign. Why don't you wrap it up to your listeners, to your people, to your thoughts? How can people get a hold of you? What do they need to know about neon? Wrap it up and tell us your, your thoughts here.
1: Yeah, we'll do. And then um, I'm going to hit you to do the same. So, oh gosh, where can you find us? Well, we are on every social media channel. So you Google Be Atomic uh, or, you know, search it in Facebook, search it in YouTube, search in Twitter, search on LinkedIn, search on, we're, we're not cool enough to be on TikTok yet, but dang it, that is coming soon. We, ha- we are publishing weekly content and the... The, the purpose of it is twofold. A, we want to build Neon in public. So we want you to see the process that we're going through, um, the work that it's taking, and the journey that we're on to, to really make this something that, um, that you guys can bring into your agencies. So would love it if you're interested in just following the journey of what it takes to build this tech. And then the second piece of it is we want to provide material that helps educate agents on where we should be at today in terms of understanding data, leveraging data, owning data, monetizing data. Um, There's a whole new economy out there around this sort of new material. People are thinking of it just like in the same way they're thinking of gold or oil. And so how can we help you start to shift your perspective and, and bring some new ideas into the fold? in a both strategic and tactical way. So, um, podcasts are out every week. Videos are out every week. We're going to start doing blogs soon. So you will get, uh, your fair share of, uh, uh, you know, just thinking differently, I guess. So yeah. So on beatomic.com, um, those were the three places. So having said that, uh, Jason, how about you, man, for the, for the listeners on be Atomic airwaves, where can they find more about what you're doing?
0: You know, um, I appreciate that. It's uh, agency intelligence that has to do with a, you know, exactly what it is. Uh, it's it's about the agency intelligence. A lot of people out there are talking about marketing. A lot of people talk about generation leads and stuff like that. We just try to talk about the intelligence of our agency. And I have a pre- paid mastermind. Uh, we believe uh, we charge ninety nine dollars a month. A lot of people say, why do you charge when there's all these free groups? Once again, Jason, no filter. Have you been to those free groups? I mean, don't get me wrong; they're good, but I don't care what day other agents are open for Flag Day. That that doesn't that shouldn't be in my news feed because I I, I have a limited time of using social media, and I want to be as efficient as I can. So, what I decided to do years ago was I'm going to create a mastermind or a Facebook group, and I'm going to make it closed, and I'm going to make you pay ninety nine dollars to be a part of it. A lot of people thought I was ignorant, and today. I believe that companies are telling us that our users are some of the best out there. I think when you guys went to – when Neon was at Brainshare, I mean Seth told me he's – it's in his post. He said it's literally the best conference. Or, and I, he shouldn't use conference because it's not. It's the best event that he's ever been to of all the events he's been to. He literally posted that. And the reason was is because – when he was talking about neon there were people in the room who understood it immediately there was actually people walking up to him offering him checks it was really really incredible and so i think that that's what we do we're ai mastermind but most importantly i could care less if you ever become a mastermind member Actually, I do. I really would like you to. But if you don't want to, at least follow us at Agents Influence and Agency Intelligence. Just go. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google, blah, 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 whatever. You can find us. Go look for Agency Intelligence, though. Agency Intelligence is the name of the news feed. That's the name of the company. We have Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass, which is what this one is. We have Agency Intelligence, which is the one I was talking to you about. That's where we do a podcast with real agents inside real agencies, given the real agency intelligence not the artificial that they may make you believe out there. Um, I talk a lot about neon and stuff like that. So these are the things uh, that we're doing out there. And uh, I'm a speaker. I'm out and about. If you find me, you see me, say hi. Uh, I went to Applied Net, even though I think that they're like the dark side, but I still went there. Why? Because there's agents there. There's people I want to connect with. There's people I, I, I want to I hear your story. I want to know what things are about. Actually, the name Agents Influence, which was my first podcast, is giving a voice to those who have no voice, so that we can make change and forward momentum in the insurance industry. That's literally what I named it for, and and that's what I've tried to do. And all these other podcasts, Sid, like you know, like Josh Berg out there, or whether the insurance guys or your podcast, or uh, man, I'm probably leaving somebody out, and they're going to be mad. So I'm sorry if I am. I'm just right now at the top, but all these all these podcasts. People say, Cass, like, dude, you were the only one doing it. Like, are you are you are you jealous or you hate all these other ones? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Like the I did this to get word out. So if I can have 10 other microphones helping me, mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's let's do this. You know what I mean? This yeah. is not me. This is the industry that we love. It's the industry, it's the greatest industry God ever created. Because I am in this industry, I'm gonna retire before the age of 50. I'm going to be able to do what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is own a boat down in Florida, do some sea charters, and in the off season, build churches in Cuba. I'm going to be able to do that because of this great industry. I want other young people to experience that. I want them to know that there's hope for them. And that's what my main message is for them every day. And that's why I talk about these little lies. That's why I'm always trying to challenge people, Sid. I want them to say, don't believe what the older generation or some other agency owner is telling you. Listen to what they're saying, but then challenge that thought. And I think you'll be highly successful. And that's my thoughts on it, Sydney.
1: Mm, I love it. Dude, thank you for uh thanks for carving out time for this conversation. I appreciate it. And I don't know why it took us so long to make it happen. So thank you, thank you. And I am I'm more than excited for this thing to go live.
0: And before I tell you, I'm going to tell my listeners, just like I tell you always, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass. This part is with Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass And Sid, who are you?
1: Be Atomic Airwaves.
0: And we're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it.